Welcome to episode 36 of the Bike Pack Canada podcast with yours truly, Ryan Corey. Well, it's uh, been a while since we last chatted. Um, almost four months now since my Smile podcast, uh, where I announced that uh, I would be taking a break from interviews due to a uh, diagnosis uh, with stage four colon cancer. Um, next Thursday, I begin my fifth round of uh, chemotherapy here in Canmore. And uh, I can't say that it has gotten any more enjoyable, uh, but definitely more uh, manageable. Um, and if you want to follow sort of the nitty gritty of uh, this cancer journey, um, I encourage you to uh, follow me on Facebook or on uh, Instagram. Um, but I, I think just to sum it up, I'll just say that uh, I'm doing pretty good, all things considered. Um, and I owe a lot of that uh, to the love of this bikepacking community, uh, both in Canada and uh, to our listeners abroad, which there are many. Um, so thank you to everyone. Uh, truly, it's, it's meant a lot. All right. My interview today is with uh, Lindsay and Neil Belchenko. Uh, the newly married couple run bikepacker.com. Um, we had them on, I think it was one of our first episodes. Um, this past September, they held their inaugural U.S. Bike Pack Summit uh, down in Golden, Colorado. Um, it was a week after our, our second summit here in Canmore. Um, during this interview, we'll dive into some of the stories from the two events, hear about married life, and uh, get some insight into Neil's 2018 race plans. All right, here we go. You guys got married, so congratulations. Yeah. yeah. Thank you. So if you kind of yeah. if you settle into a routine and you know it's yeah it feels normal now. Yeah. Yeah, I don't think it I mean it was just a little different maybe right around the wedding, but we kind of jumped right back into our day-to-day lives right after that. So. Yeah, we've been living together for 8 or 9 years already, so Not much. It really doesn't really different. feel too different. I changed my name, which has been like very different. Tell us about the the wedding. Where was it and um, you know, how how did the day unfold? Um so we had a small wedding. Um Our families, both of our immediate families, came to town for almost an entire week. Um, And so we got to spend a lot of time with, um, I have a niece, we have a niece and two nephews, and then Neil's two sisters and their um, husband and boyfriend. And we just had a ton of family adventures, and it was just the 15 of us at our wedding. Um, so we got married up at Lost Lake, which is off of Kebler Pass, um, which is just outside of town here. It's like a 30 minute drive. It's like in the, it's in the West Elk, um, West Elk mountains of Colorado. Yeah. Beautiful. Um, so it's just this beautiful high mountain lake that's accessible by car, um, which made it unique. We didn't really want to have our families hiking too far. They come from low altitude. Um, so pretty much got married right by the lake. My brother married us and, um, drank champagne, took some pictures (laughs) and then kind of partied all day. Yeah. Went to, um, every, we got married on a Monday, um, seven, 17, 17. (laughs) Neil chose that date. (laughs) And, uh, we, Every Monday night in Crested Butte, there's a free concert um, outside in the park. And so we went to that, and the band, my brother told the band to call us up in the middle of a song, and we had to, like, 
go up and dance in front of the whole town. It was so embarrassing. <laughs> <laughs> For a couple that wanted to have a small wedding, we were like dancing in front of 400 people. Uh, but it was a blast. It was really great. Uh-huh. Cool. And the, the, the summit, was it was what, two months later or a month and a half later? Uh, basically two, two months. months. Yeah. yeah. Two months later. Okay. So, but you know, by the time that had rolled around, well, I, I guess maybe before the wedding, had you, had all the pieces already come together for the summit or no. was it kind of a last minute kind of dash <laughs> no, to, I mean, to bring it all we, together? Yeah. I mean, we, we, um, we knew we were gonna, we had our venue nailed down um, we had our presenters nailed down and our sponsors nailed down like before then, I would say quite a bit before then, probably even yeah. like four months out. Um, and then the last thing we had to deal with was, was like, like food, food and, and um, budgeting for, you know, beer. like how much beer we can provide for each person because it was at a brewery. Um, and we basically like it was like last minute a lot of it was kind of last minute cause we, um, we didn't really, so we went to visit the venue in golden. Um, I don't know, maybe a few months in advance and then in like April, April. And so then, you know, we live four hours away from golden. So it's not like a hop, skip and a jump to get there. It's, it's pretty difficult. And so we, we got there, you know, the day before and we kind of, had to set everything up and, um, and figure out like where the stage would be set for, for, um, like bike demos and where, um, we were going to, you know, have presenters speak and the best possible chair set up. So it was kind of just like last minute stuff, but it, it ended up working out really well. And I think, um, yeah, I think it was a great success. Cool. So why, why, uh, golden, why not? Like, I, I don't have a map in front of me, but why not in Crested Butte? Well, I think the number one thing for, especially for like a first or like a, a relatively new event was to bring people in and Denver's a huge hub you know, and Golden's right next to Denver. Um, so that was, that I think was our number one thought process behind going in Golden. Um, yeah, we just felt like, um, Denver was a good hub, um, it's also a great central location in the West and right next to the, you know, it's obviously has an international airport. So we figured people would be able to travel from, you know, West coast, Southwest, you know, we had like four people drive up from Texas. Yeah. Um, you know, we just felt like it was a good location. Crested Butte, I would say, and Neil and I have both talked about, you know, CB or Gunny being a location for the summit down the road. Um, but we just didn't feel like first year we wanted to put it in such a remote location. Yeah. Yeah. Makes, once, makes sense. Yeah. Maybe once we have a little bit more exposure and, and, you know, more consistency with who we think are going to show up, but just knowing that it was kind of, you know, a first year event and, not knowing what was going to actually happen, um, I think it, it made sense for sure to be in the big city. Yeah. Well, you got you got one thing right right out of the gate, and that was to host it indoors. Uh, so you, yeah. You, yeah, you learned one good lesson from. I didn't. I didn't. Yeah. I wasn't freezing, but uh, yeah, I mean, venue was definitely. Um, you know, we wanted to make sure it was in a place where the 
it would kind of speak for itself. So like during break times and in the evenings, we didn't have to, you know, use any infrastructure to make it something. It was already a brewery. Um, but that was definitely one of the biggest investments was, um, actually paying for a venue. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. I mean, that was, there was times where I was envious of you, Ryan. I was like, you know, why don't we just do this in a tent? (laughs) (laughs) Cause everyone freezes. Yeah. It wasn't terribly expensive, but it was definitely an investment. But I think it, it worked out. It was, it was a smart. And they were also super accommodating. Yeah. Um, they have an event coordinator. That's her job is to kind of support these types of things and they have weddings there and stuff. So she was like bringing her toaster in for bagels in the morning yeah, from super her own accommodating home. For sure. <laughs> yeah. So. It, it, yeah. It, it went really well. And, and I mean, it's hard to beat a venue at a brewery. Um, I think they open at like 10 o'clock. So if somebody, if, uh, um, attendee wanted to grab a beer at 10 o'clock, you know, they could have done that. Yeah. They were doing that. Yeah. And they were doing that. I mean, it was a great weekend. It was a rainy weekend, which was kind of perfect. Even though we had, you know, we had some day rides, um, before, before actually, um, the presenters spoke, but, um, yeah, I think, uh, I think it was a great spot. Yeah. So the, that particular brewery does, did that relationship come out of, um, I know like a big part of the site was the, the beer reviews that you have was, was that where that connection formed or? Like- no, actually, interestingly enough, we had made friends with John and Aaron Acuff, 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 Acuff from, um, who owned Proudfoot Cycles. We met them here at Fat Bike Worlds, uh, last year, which like a January event. Um, Neil had connected with them or seen their website and knew about their bikes. And so, uh, we met them in person then kind of told them we're thinking about doing this summit and they're like, Oh my God, you have to check out new terrain. Um, and it just so happens that Proudfoot cycles is located and they manufacture their bikes, like literally smack dab in the middle of the barrels in the in the back of the brewery. Hmm. Um, John's brother-in-law, uh, and his sister yeah. own the brewery, own and operate new terrain. So that was kind of the connection. And when we went to visit, um, new terrain to see, is this the right venue? We also went to see John and we were like, wow, this is great. Uh, this is obviously already like a bike centric, um, type of place. And yeah, it just had the right vibe. Um, and that was really the connection there. And I'm actually looking up right now there. Uh, I love their motto, which is um, very adventure based. It's alive is the pursuit of adventures unknown and territories unseen with an unsatiable curiosity to explore hops, barley, water, and yeast. The unbound journey exists for those who wander. And so that's like, written huge painted right on the wall in the brewery and we walked in there and i was like oh my god this is the place we have to do it here that's funny i'm gonna i'm gonna try to memorize that so if i ever decide to have a beer at 10 a.m in the morning i have that memorized yeah. that line ready to go that right so inspired i don't need to further justify my exactly. uh, my beer drinking exactly right so inspirational yeah um, oh, and it's big and we you know we thought about a theater for a while and 
We just felt we could do like it there again. We just need to figure out. We would have to figure out a different space configuration. Yeah, it would need to almost be like theater seating, whereas in there, it's right now, it's like a bunch of long. We'd almost have to like <clears throat> rent tables. out. Like I don't know. Yeah, it's a big space, but I, I like if we rented out the actual t- tasting room, that would be ideal. But I don't think they would ever go for that just because. They, they make so much. Money they make in so day. much money. It's incredible. We'd have to pay like yeah. thirty thousand dollars. <laughs> <laughs> well, uh, for, for those for those of us that uh, didn't have the the great fortune of attending, uh, why don't you run through some of the highlights? Uh, you know, speakers that you had. Um, you know, whether it was the group rides. Um, yeah, mm-hmm. what, what what were some of the things that stood out for you guys? So the kind of the format was kind of similar to what you did the first year ryan you know we started on uh friday uh we did a meet and greet you know you could grab some beers um we had some food and um and basically we had like an opening panel um and i basically Lindsay and i asked a bunch of questions to I we got, were wishing you would have been there as yeah, our MC. that would have been nice we're we're definitely a little uh rusty to start but it was it went really well <laughs> uh, but we had like eric parsons from revelate design hefe Branham, who's an uh ultra endurance racer lil wilcox also an ultra endurance racer um uh, uh who else christian tonziger who's a kind of like a recreational bike packer on the front range she does a ton of big trips with her husband um we uh, also had uh, oh Jonathan Hoke, who's a county commissioner in the Gunnison County. Um, he's basically uh, he, yeah, he's a county commissioner that like what, bike packs to campaign. Yeah, it was he's amazing. What was it two years ago or no? What was it two thousand? Yeah, it was last year during the campaign. The season. campaign. He, he bike packed from every city inside or from every town, uh, town to town inside the county to kind of campaign campaign election yeah and he and then we also had casey green casey who green. is the president um on the board of directors for bike packing routes Let's talk a little bit about conservation um yeah jonathan is he's an extremely good speaker yeah um obviously i mean he's a politician but he's just so down to earth and it was really cool to have that kind of governmental um official there but that was our opening panel. Um, and, and we then, talked about, like, not only did we talk about um, uh, land access issues, we talked about a little bit of e-bikes, future bike packing. Um, so it was, it was super, super interesting. And um, I think I think it was really well received by the attendees. Good icebreaker. Yeah. Then we just, everybody just kind of hung out, drank beer, got to know each other. And then um, Saturday morning we did um, – Again, you know, we we totally took inspiration from you and, and your schedule. And um, we did a breakfast and then a group ride where we did um, two separate rides because we had such a big group. Um, and, you know, we kind of took a poll before the event and just asked, what, what are you looking to get out of the group rides? And some people, you know, wanted to have a little bit more of a challenging ride. So, uh, right outside of New Terrain is the trailhead for the North Table Mountain Loops, um, which is a trail system. And 
of single track trail system that pro- I don't know. You could probably loop like a 15, 20 mile. Yeah, ride. it's not like super super big, but it's 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 literally like there's a path from the loading dock at the brewery lo- to the single track to the single track. It's so incredible. It's pretty cool. Um, so we split up in two rides. Uh, that was really great. Rode for about a couple hours. It was chilly, um, but not raining that morning. Um, and then we kind of moved into the trail advocacy, advocacy panel where we went into, you know, more in depth questions. Um, I thought that the big takeaway from that was there was a lot of great suggestions as to how you can make a change and what you can do in your own area to mm-hmm. make a change in, you know, whether it's, um, Hefe who talked a lot about, um, local trail associations, or on a bigger scale, um, Casey, who, yeah, Casey and Jonathan talked a little bit more about that on a bigger scale. Uh, then we toured Proudfoot Cycles, which, as we said, is right in the brewery. Um, John was an ex-aerospace engineer, and he, the way he methodically builds his frames and his, it, it's actually funny because he's so smart. And it was really interesting hearing him having to like kind of dumb down his thought process mm-hmm. so that everybody could understand. Because uh, you could just tell he's like a brainiac. Uh, but it was cool just to see like his welding machine up close and talk about his welds and his his designs. Yeah, um, and and really just like explaining, you know, uh, what type of steel he uses, why he uses that type of steel, the type of welding, um, and then just like talking about how like all of his bikes are super, you know, custom and, um, and then like, but like literally he does everything there. He does everything from like, he obviously just gets the the steel shipped there, but outside of that, everything is, you know, assembled there, welded there, painted there. Um, it's, it's a pretty, pretty incredible, um, operation that he has. Um, so it was really cool to see, obviously see that and, have him chat about it. And it's like right in the middle of the brewery and I can't get over that. It's yeah. so cool. He, he said, he's like, I have trouble not drinking beer every day and <laughs> not drinking beer too early in the day. Yeah. <laughs> well, you just got to memorize that quote and, and, yep. and you have a free exactly. pass. Yeah. yeah, exactly. Um, and then actually before, before all that, we, we skipped over the first presentation of the day. And I think this kind of set the, oh. set the tone um, was Eric Parsons. And like when, when I was thinking about getting, or when Lindsay and I were thinking about getting a event started, we were like, all right, well, who could we pick? That's like a pioneer of the bikepacking industry. And like, there's a few people that came to mind, but like, I think maybe the number one was like Eric Parsons. Oh yeah. Um, just because, you know, he was the first person who doesn't have a Revelate bag. Exactly. Who doesn't, who's never owned a Revelate bag? Like it, maybe now more so like new bike packers, but like people that have been bike packing for at least two years, you know, more times than not people are, you know, are purchasing Revelate bags. And that's kind of how I introduced Eric. I was like, you know, when I was trying to go on the Colorado trail in 2012, like, we, you know, my buddy and I, Mike, we're like, we, and Neil, you, you we just found Revelate him. bags and I emailed him and I kept emailing him and emailing him and bugging him. And he always responded, and so um, it was. Yeah, it was. It was just really he talked great about, to, to have um, him. Some of his bike packing experiences, and like, dude is rugged. He just yeah. 
Like, he just goes out. He was talking about ba- basically bushwhacking this trail along some ridge in Alaska for, like, days with his friend until they realized that this, like, 100-mile trail was going to end up taking them, like, five days because of how much walking and bushwhacking it was. Yeah. Or um, they had five days. It was going to take, like, two weeks. Yeah, something But, like yeah, that. that was, like, his most recent trip he talked about. And then he didn't really touch too much on, the um, like, the the bag making but he talked about the bag revolution and how like things have changed i mean if if we like really think about it eric was like the the man who had who basically started the whole bike packing world because he designed these lightweight bags instead of using rack and panniers um, or at least was one of the first people to yeah there was a few but sell he, them commercially. exactly so we have a lot to thank um from him because it, it yeah did did uh, did he get into overseas production at all? Like running up against that challenge? We didn't get into that, no. But he, he there was a question about it. Yeah, and he doesn't produce anything there. He buys products from there. Like he has a team hired yeah. in the states. Yeah. So his his main his main factory or factory his main sure. workspace is in Oregon, and then he's got another workspace, obviously, where he lives in Alaska. So it's outsourced to Oregon. <laughs> Huh. Um, so yeah. Well, it's, it's good that he's able to keep it within North America and it's, you know, along the same lines, it's, it's nice to hear, you know, from Proudfoot also like local makers definitely has more of a story for sure. Yeah. And, and I think Proudfoot, like they're relatively new in a pretty saturated market right now. And I think, um, he deserves a lot of credit because he really puts a lot of, a lot of, you know, his time and energy into building these pretty incredible frames and, um, and Lindsay actually was testing one and she oh, ended God. up, she ended up buying it because she loved it so much. Yeah. But just a hardtail steel hardtail. It's, it's, it's but, incredibly yeah. light for a steel hardtail. It's nothing like a surly. Um, I mean, I chose it frequently yeah. overriding like my salsa full suspension this summer, which but, says something. Yeah. I was I was gonna say now that you've got a sponsored rider in the house that says an extra something. Yeah, I know. yeah, exactly. I'm to say that. But she still loves her uh, her Deadwood for sure. So did, um, did 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 Eric just happen to be in the area, or did he fly in from uh, Alaska? No, he just made, he flew in from Alaska for it, um, which was great. He has I think his sister lives in Denver, so he kind of doubled up the trip. He uh, he knew that he wasn't going to go to Interbike, and um, so he was kind of just like, yeah, it, this works out. So we definitely thank him for coming down and all of our presenters because it was pretty incredible to, to have so many talented and inspirational people in one room. Yeah, you did Lale stop by too, didn't she? Yeah. So let's see here. What else did we do on, on Saturday? We don't have to go through everything, we don't have to go through everything but uh, Pey- Peyton McDonald talked about, or actually showed his Sonic divide video, which was incredible. It was like a hour long video about, um, Basically, what he did was he commissioned like a bunch. Of, I think it's how many how many divide crossings are on the I think it was tour divide. Thirty-one. Yeah, thirty. I think or yeah, okay. Well, yeah, thirty-one or thirty-two. Yeah. So he commissioned a piece. He's a he's a professor. Um, whoa, 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 don't give it all away because he's my next podcast interview. Oh, okay, okay. I won't. Oh, Perfect. well, that's great. You'll love talking to Peyton. He's a yeah, great guy. He's awesome. And Sonic Divide is amazing. So. Um, 
I love that film. Yeah. And actually, I thought the concept of bikepacking theater was a really fun kind of breakaway. Yeah. yeah. Um, like, and it was at the time of the day where people were like, all right, I'll get my first beer and yeah. kind of settle in. And, um, and so it was really, it was a nice breakup from just listening to somebody talk. And then he did a Q&A afterwards. Um, but yeah, Peyton's a great guy. It was a really, it was a pleasure to meet him in person. Yeah, yeah for he, sure. He he sent me a link to watch his uh, video on or just film on Vimeo, and it took me probably about ten minutes to get into it because it was it it was so familiar, like the obviously the route, but the way he approached it, yeah, know, through through that lens was totally different than anything I'd ever kind of experience. Like I don't know any composers, yeah. and to see someone totally. that dedicated and. Yeah. So for our for our event, he actually created a shorter version that like it could have been the same one that you saw bike packing side of things and had less of the interviews with the composers. Okay. But overall, like people like Hefe and Lael and and Eric, like people who have been in this world for so long or have been so successful, they were just like, "Oh my god! Like that is so cool yeah. the way you did that." Mm-hmm. And and how you took this adventure to the next level and what an accomplishment, you know, I, I would say that was kind of like the sneak attack presenter where mm. people were kind of like, who's this guy? And then it was like, Oh my God, that was so impactful. Yeah. So inspiring. Cool. So after Peyton, what were some of the highlights? Um, well, I would say Scott Parker actually came next and he, he could have um, chatted for hours. Yeah, it was he, so good. He's a great guy, and he just uh, finished a three-year trip. So he essentially did a Pan American bike trip, but not on the road. Yeah. Um, so he went from Alaska to the southernmost tip of South America on mountain bike, and it took him three years. So, I mean, he didn't take the road the whole way. Every single town or area he was in, he was doing like a bunch of side trips and traveling to different um, sites to see. And so he talked about kind of bikepacking internationally, like, um, you know, potential uh, challenges and, and things that are really powerful and how you can make it great. Um, and I thought that that was a really, really cool and inspiring talk. And then, um, Lail did a Q and a where she went through, um, some of her recent trips and kind of talked a little bit about her history and biking and, you know, how she has done a lot, um, on the, on the advocacy side with getting kids on bikes and, um, about her program up in Alaska for that. So I thought that was also a big highlight. Yeah. And then we had a little cute, yeah, we, a bunch of people asked questions. Um, I thought a couple of other things, I mean, I really personally, and this is something that you said, Ryan, after your, your inaugural summit that really stuck with me. And that's, you know, kind of the inspiration we took into this was like, find people that you really want to hear from and get them to come talk. And so I, I have a hard time picking (laughs) what I thought was was great because I think they were all really great in their own right. So, um, we had a girl, Amanda Delcor, who, um, 
is an avid bike packer, lives in Fort Collins and runs um, women's bike packing clinics, more or less. Mm-hmm. And um, trips. Yeah, she talked about the art of the overnighter. Um, we had Jonathan Hoke, the the county commissioner, talk about bike packing with his son. That was such um, an inspirational. And again, he's just so he talked a lot about parenting, which we got a lot of feedback from people saying, like, I don't have kids. And there was a lot to take from that presentation about just being present and taking things slow and, you know, telling it or seeing it as it comes. And then I thought Billy Rice's Billy Rice is the owner of Invictus Cycling. Well, yeah, he's the owner of Invictus Cycling. He's done he's the race yo-yo. He's yo-yo the Tour Divide. He's a race director, and um, and Billy was his his talk was on nutrition. And it was kind of eye opening, like to me at least, because I said, yeah, me too. He, he you know he he talked about a bunch of um, not only nutrition but like training techniques and stuff that he does and and his coaching techniques. And he sold me so so well that now he's my coach, which is pretty funny. Uh, <laughs> um, but yeah, so Billy, Billy talked a lot about, you know, training ketosis and nutrition and ketosis and, and, um, and overtraining yeah. and, and all that. And, um, it was a, a great, you know, I took a lot away from that and I think everybody did. I, I gotta, uh, I gotta ask on, on the ketosis front, what, like what's the, the barometer with the crowd? Like, um, I, I know he, beats a pretty loud drum in that regard but did you get yeah. a sense that the you know he converted some people or well there was a there was actually two people i know in the crowd who i was talking to um later that day or i overheard talking directly to billy who were like do you have or who asked questions i should say at the end of his presentation do you have any suggestions for you know st- sticking to it to get into the ketogenic lifestyle because there was actually some people who were attempting that, um, and who had failed in the past. So there was interest in that. I think that there was people like, I would say, you know, myself included a couple of our friends I talked to that were there were like, man, I really wish I could do that, but there's no way I could do that. Yeah. yeah. Um, it sounds great, but, but not so great. It, wow. But his, you know, his presentation wasn't about preaching ketosis. It was about, um, that is one way to do it. And he also just gave some general, like dietary and nutrition suggestions. Like he, I always think of Billy when I'm choosing what type of fruit to eat, because he says, if the kids like it, it's not good for you. So like strawberries, bananas, um, you know, any of these fruits that are super high in sugar, he's like, you'd be better off eating a head of broccoli or kale. Yeah. Um, so some just like nutritional tips like that. Um, and then obviously his training, um, and just his endurance experience, um, definitely validates his himself as a trainer. Yeah. And uh, it was an endurance effort to get to the summit, as I understand it, too. Yeah. Yeah, he... uh, He came for, like, 24 hours. He drove 13 hours. Yeah, he drove, then got there. I forget. Yeah, he drove, like, through the night, basically. Presented, spent the night, and then left the next morning. So, uh, yeah, obviously, we're super thankful for him to, to... 
to do that endurance trek <laughs> on the road. It's um, sad to yeah. say him being a an EMS type guy, that's probably just par for the course. Yeah, yeah exactly. True. Yep. Yep. Um, and then what else happened, Linz? Oh, and then we, so we finished with Billy. Sorry, we're just looking at the schedule here. And then, um, oh, and then, they no, no, that wasn't. Oh, it. yeah. And then we had Aaron Johnson, um, another bike here. He had a trail um, video um, that he released this year, actually. And then he, we had a small Q&A with him. And then we finished with the ultimate Mike Kiriak, which was, such an honor to have him come. Um, and Mike, Mike's presentation was great. He, uh, it was based around pack rafting and the, the history of his, you know, kind of, we talked briefly. He didn't really want to talk about himself because that's Mike Kiriak, but we, uh, we talked briefly about a little bit of history of Mike and then, uh, and then he got into the, um, uh, got into kind of the multi-sport of pack rafting and, Bike pa- and, and biking and fat biking and uh, and how to do that and just kind of like the the, the tools you need um, to get into that. So that was super super awesome. And then and then it was finished Sunday by five o'clock. We were all done and we were like, wow, that was a lot. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you definitely had a lot of speakers by the sounds of it. Yeah, yeah, it was a lot of speakers and everything was really like fast, like everybody spoke and it wasn't for a very long time. I wish we had, you know, you know, two more days, we could have even talked more and had those speakers talk again. So, yeah, that was definitely a challenge as people were like, man, I wish the breaks were longer. And I'm like, well, if the breaks were longer, you wouldn't get to hear from so many great people. (laughs) So the, the, you know, listening, I, I, you know, kind of standing behind the scenes, listening to all the speakers and listening to all the questions. Um, did you, did you kind of come away with any particular, takeaway points on, on, on kind of like, what's the pulse on, on the scene, you know, going into 2018, like what are people most interested in, in learning about, you know, whether it's for your site, um, moving forward or, you know, just what's most relevant these days. Yeah. Um, you know, I think, well, so we sent out a, a survey to everybody and they, um, it, not all of them responded, but a bunch of people responded, um, and I think I think that was kind of eye opening. I think a lot of people were super happy about how everything went. Um, I know there's a bunch of people that um, wanted maybe a few longer breaks in there. Um, uh, here Overall, um, people thought that all of the content was relevant to them. You know, there was a few people that maybe didn't want to hear about like the bike packing with your kids if you don't have children, yeah. or if that's just not your style. Um, you know, there was some feedback suggesting potentially, um, if we want to keep it into two days, but we want to have just as many or more speakers speak longer, um, that we could, if depending on like, if we had a venue that allowed this, we could do a couple of presentations simultaneously so that you could kind of choose between the two. Um, I'm not sure where we'll go with that. Yeah. But that was um, a good suggestion for sure. Um, yeah. I mean, I think people had some great takeaways. I think people who, there was definitely people who were avid bike packers and who had done it a lot. There was people who, 
um, had not ever gone bike packing and maybe we're just getting into mountain biking. So I'm sure you've experienced the challenge, Ryan, where you have to kind of figure out how you cater content and the presentations to, to that swing of demographic. So yeah, that's just, definitely a challenge. Yeah. Yeah. I, I don't know from, from all accounts, like from watching on this end, I think you guys hit the sweet spot and, you know, when you're in that sweet spot on any bell curve, you're, you're going to get sort of people that say they didn't like something or, you know, they really like something. So you're, you're never yeah. going to get, get everyone, but, uh, you know, it sounds like you put together a really great event and, uh, you know, like, like myself and with Sarah, that's, it's a, it's a really great learning experience. And, um, you know, it's it's great to hear that people want to be a part of it uh, for 2018, and we'll, we're excited to hear when when that event or when that that date gets announced. Because I really wanted to be there, and you know, unfortunately, I couldn't couldn't make it. But uh, I'll definitely have it on my radar. We miss you. Yeah. <laughs> I, um, tell us about tell us about um, your event. I saw the recap and listened to the podcast, but. Um, maybe tell us overall like some major takeaways from this year and, and what you, what you learned from the first year to the second year. Uh, besides holding it indoors. <laughs> yeah. Besides that, of course. Um, yeah. It, well, as you know, it was, it was a very interesting year because my involvement beyond, you know, putting all the, the, the talks together and, and, organizing other logistics when it came to the actual events um i had very little involvement um and that was something that was you know predetermined with with a group of volunteers that um quickly jumped out of the mix uh to help out and uh we decided that you know i would probably only show up for for maybe an hour or two each day um, right so you know I, I came in for some of the say more critical pieces, um, right at the start. Um, so, you know, we, we had planned on doing, uh, like, like what you guys did, our, our opening panel was, was, was supposed to be at a brewery or our opening event was supposed to be at a brewery. Um, mm -hmm. it, it turned from a, a panel into, um, a, a fundraiser for, for, for Sarah and I, for, for the cancer costs. And, um, yep. That, That's nice. Yeah, That's awesome. it, it was it was pretty phenomenal. That that event set the tone for the weekend. Um, yeah, I I I didn't really have a prepared speech, but I, I thought it would be important to get up and share. You know, why are we all in this room together? Like, um, you know, speci specifically with the Canadian scene being as as fresh as it is. You know, how did we all get to know each other? Why is this event happening? And, and you know, what were some of my motivations to kind of put it all together? And, um, you know, telling a little bit about the story about, you know, r really my my guidebook was the, the impetus of, of all this. And Bike Pack Canada came out of realizing that maybe there's there's more than just a guidebook. And mm -hmm. um, so, yeah, told the story and it really set the motion for the weekend and, people really rallied and, um, you know, our, our mutual, Fantastic. our mutual buddy, uh, Josh, uh, Cato, he, he, he was, uh, he, he turned into, you know, the co MC for the weekend and, awesome. That's great. um, you know, put him, put him to work and, uh, Val, yeah. sh Val shared some stories. Nice. Um, 
But yeah, I, lo- I loved the bear spray uh, exercise. Oh, yeah, that was fun. That well, was funny to watch. You know, I, well, as you know, it, it's bear, bear spray seems kind of commonplace, you know, for a lot of us to carry. But, like, really, how many of us have actually used it before? Right. Um, yeah, exactly. Yeah. So, so to, to you know, I haven't. Yeah, to hold it in your hand and to actually spray it and to get a sense of how far it goes. That it, that, that talk actually was you know you talked about um, Peyton's um, uh, you know kind of being the surprise sneak attack. That I would say that yeah. was our sneak attack. That one okay. um, yeah. was the surprise hit. Um. So yeah, we had you know like like year one we had a lot of good variety. Um. Uh, you know, a lot of local involvement, uh, but also, you know, uh, we had Jay uh, Peterberry Skype in, which was one of the, the highlights. And nice. uh, the, the, kind of the funny story leading up to that was we were having some technical difficulties uh, getting them on. And so Josh and I just started telling stories about our encounters with Jay. And, um, you know, the, the last one being well, it, it was with you also, Neil, in 2015 um, on the on the divide, and you know Jake kind of coming up beside us and being the, the silent killer, like just looking us over and falling back, and then coming forward, and then um, um, you know not really talking to him uh, all that much, but just you know feeling his steel cold glaze, um, you know, looking at us and, and evaluating us and, and, and sizing us up. And then all of a yeah. sudden, then all of a sudden this, the, the Skype, the connection worked and he popped up on the screen behind us as we were talking about him. <laughs> um, yeah, so th- that was, that was fun. And, uh, you know, something different from last year was I made the point of our last session was, um, uh, a group discussion on, you know, what we learned, but also on, on where we wanted to, to take things. Um, mm-hmm. You know, as you know, we have far fewer events than, than what exists in the U.S. Um, yeah. You know, we have far fewer established routes. And um, so, you know, I said to the group, you know, like, you're the pioneers. And, and you know, I could easily create routes all over Canada, you know, based on the questions I've learned to ask. But, you know, the, the takeaway from our summit was, um, you know, everyone in the audience, you, you are the champions of, of your, your regions, you know, don't, don't, don't sell yourself, don't sell yourself short. Um, you don't all have to be expert guides to, to plan a really fun route. And, um, so, you know, the takeaway I think for the group was a bit of a sense of empowerment and, and excitement mm-hmm. and, um, you know, I, th- I think if, if I opened up uh, the summit or the 2018 entrance right then and there, I think we probably would have sold it out. But uh, uh, I'm, I'm not that smart. So <laughs> like you guys, we're, we're holding off a bit probably till the spring. But uh, yeah, another, another um, you know, what I would call lightning bottle or lightning in a bottle type uh, event. Uh, very special. Yeah. Um, yeah. Yeah, and excited That's to do good. it again. Like it sounds like you guys are too. Yeah, I'm so pleased to hear. Yeah, we're ha- it's definitely happy to hear. And sorry we couldn't make it this year. Um, but that's basically exactly how we felt afterwards. We just felt like, wow, that was like really powerful. That was such a such an inspirational, yeah, very powerful weekend. And we took a lot away f- away from it. Made and, new friends. Yeah, everybody made new friends. 
Well, w- whether you guys come up here or, you know, I come down or, or one, mm-hmm. of, one of the both, let's, uh, you know, make, make sure to make something happen next year. And, uh, you know, it feels, feels weird. We haven't seen you, um, I you know, know. since the summit. It, 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 it over a year. Yeah, it didn't, didn't really feel like it until I thought about it. But, yeah, it's, it's been that long. Yeah. Um, well, to, to, to cap things off, I, I, I know I, I want to focus mostly on the summit, but uh, we had a few people asking uh, Neil, what uh, what your race plans are for for 2018? If if you have any in place yet, um, I have a thought. I've got a few thoughts in place, and I know for sure. Um, uh, going back to Alaska to do the Iditarod uh, Trail Invitational, so the um, I'm gonna do the 350 mile version again. Uh, fat bike, bike packing, ultra winter, ultra endurance race. Um, and then there's also another race two weeks before that in Steamboat Springs that I'm eyeballing. Um, it's a 200 kilometer race. So it'd be a great warm up, um, especially for, um, for training purposes. Um, and then my thought is that, uh, doing the Arizona trail race again, uh, just cause it works out with my schedule, my work schedule, my new busy work schedule. And, um, yeah, outside of that, you know, that's, that's about it really. So last, last year you, Oh, we're it, going on an epic honeymoon. Oh yeah. And then right <laughs> after that, we are, let's not forget that. That's the fun part. We're going to Peru to bike pack for like two, two plus weeks. weeks. Oh, so sweet. we're really excited about that in May. Yeah. Sarah was actually asking, uh, Lindsay, what, what, what do you consider a, a good day of bikepacking? Like, what does that look like for you? Cause she's just getting into it herself. Yeah. Um, <laughs> that's, that's a loves fun question. Cause so I like much. type two fun. Like yeah. I might be like cursing at Neil and like giving him the finger and <laughs> at, like 8 PM. I'm like, wow, that was a great day. <laughs> um, just in all honesty, but no, I, uh, my ideal situation is just going out sometimes with a plan, sometimes with not a very solid plan. Yeah. Um, riding, you know, for as many hours as I would sit or stand at my desk at work. So like nine hours and getting to camp, eating food, putting, taking my chamois off, <laughs> uh, <laughs> Drinking some bourbon and going to bed early. Well, you miss playing rummy. <laughs> oh, we always play rummy when we, when we <laughs> bike pack. So we always bring a deck of cards. Um, yeah, that's my ideal. And and really what I crave about it is it's not – what I crave about it is being away and being off the grid without – you know, it's a chance for – me to just like forget about everything for a while and I work a pretty um demanding day job and uh to be able to be out of service and not have access to my email and just be gone and dirty in the woods is great Mm -hmm. I love that I grew up spending a lot of time in the outdoors and um it's just where I feel the most relaxed does the does racing interest you at all not really um i have a friend here who's like trying to get me to race the grout like the half growler and i i think that i'm maybe capable of it 
um, if I really put some discipline behind it, but for me, it's mostly mental. And I found that, you know, after getting more into bike packing and longer rides, I'm much more successful, like three hours in, I go for rides around here in the summertime with friends and like the first hour sucks. It takes me a while to just like get into the groove. And actually I, I feel better at five hours, six hours, seven hours, eight hours than all of my friends, but they come out and they feel great right away. So I don't know if that's just because of the style of riding I've done or that I've, you know, kind of felt myself go over that hump, um, by bikepacking with Neil or with friends. But, um, I just don't know that I could like come out of the gate and like be really successful at racing. Um, you just gotta rearrange your schedule. So you start with bourbon. Yeah. Right. I'm not super competitive. Um, but I used to be, I was actually just telling the story. Um, I grew up playing, um, hockey, ice hockey being from Minnesota, of course. Um, and I spent the most minutes in the penalty box than anybody on my team. Like I, I can be very competitive. Um, but I, I don't feel like I have that mentally anymore. I, I really just like to be happy and I just like to ride my bike and I don't like to think too hard about it. I just like to get on my bike and that's really the time where I shut my brain off, um, and just focus on the trail ahead of me. So that's all I'm doing when I'm racing. Except for when you're riding bikes, you're thinking about like power output and heart rate and no in in a that when I'm training, but when I'm bike pack racing, I, all exactly. I'm doing is but to about... bike pack race, you have to train. No, and for me, like I want my day rides to just be like mindless, awesome, yeah. spinning, mm-hmm. smiling, taking in the outdoors, being in the sunshine. Sounds so, pretty good. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. I don't know. I. I could do like a, I think it would be fun to do like a team race for a 24 hour event or I, I mean, I would be totally fine at that. I, I, I wouldn't suck at it. I just don't really feel passionate about it. Well, the, the last race question I got, Neil, um, I, I ju- was just reminded that, um, last year, I think you were going to do the American trail race and you ended up going over to do the, the Highland or Highland trail race. Do you yep. know, what what's going on with the American Trail Race these days? Because you had some involvement with that, didn't you? Yeah. So, um, well, a i I didn't want to race it because I think I was cutting it a bit too close to our wedding, um, and it just wouldn't make sense to just be completely destroyed for our wedding and not be able to walk. And um, and then also, it's you know, it's kind of right after my call passed and and the whole road scene and um if it, there's just a bunch of road on that trail not like busy road not like what he was doing not like the trans am where there's it's all road but there is a bunch of road uh that's unavoidable really out east um so i just i didn't i i just don't want to do those types of rides um even the tour divide is kind of scary um but yeah so so this year i uh um, I, I helped out with a bunch of a bunch of logistics, basically west of Texas. So Billy Rice, um, he's like the main race director um, 
if we even call it that, it's kind of, you know, loose. But he um, dealt with, like, a bunch of detours and and issues while the racers were going. Um, Because this year was, like, a first-year event. These guys were, like, the guinea pigs. They were uh, essentially just kind of, you know, riding blind. You know, it was just... The, there was a very little knowledge of the route and um, they were just kind of going for it. So there was a, a few issues that we ran into, not too many, but a few. And so there was some out West here with snow, especially in Colorado. And then we had a, a few private property issues. So I had to kind of on the fly, make a bunch of detours um, for Dylan, who is, uh, who ended up winning the race. Um, and he like, him and I would basically spoke almost every day on Facebook, um, just to talk about like how things are going and if there's any issues on the day. Um, so Dylan was like the main getting pig, which was pretty incredible. Um, what he did in like 43 days or so. Um, so yeah, it was, it was a cool event and I know that, um, it's going to happen again this year. And I think uh, there's going to be definitely more people that are going to uh, participate as well. It's, it is the, the, the biggest, the longest ultra, um, out there right now so it's it's super intriguing long longer than the tour divide right yeah it's uh almost five thousand miles wow yeah wow well guys uh we're coming up on an hour here and i was just thinking Perfect. um you know my the the last interview i did would have been well with myself and this would have been back in uh, July, I think, when I made the cancer announcement. So, you know, it took me a while to, to kind of come back to this. And um, Oh, know, that's great. Yeah, I didn't know that. How are you doing, Ryan? Uh, you know, pr- pretty good. I I've kind of found the, the you know, the, the rhythm with the chemo and how to work with it instead of fight it, I guess. Yeah. Um, so I've gained a lot of weight back and, um, you know, found great. a way to keep active i i would say i i can't train but i can maintain a shape <laughs> um, yeah sure yep which you know helps mentally and um mm-hmm. you know I, I would say if anything you know cancer is a pretty strong motivator to to you know when you when you feel okay to to produce more and when when i saw the window start to open up to you know doing more work and and um you know, having the energy to do these sorts of things, I, I, uh, I, uh, it was, it was hard not to jump back into it right away. And, um, yeah. you know, what, what better way to do an interview than, you know, with some friends and some, uh, like-minded folks and, um, you know, we should catch up more often. I, I appreciate yeah, the opportunity and, um, you know, I, I really hope to make it down for this, the summit and, um, you know, have more of these chats. It's, uh, a great cross-border partnership and, and friendship and um yep yeah happy to be back thanks guys for taking the time yeah we yeah. agree ryan and we'll we'll try to make it up to canada yeah thank you for yeah i mean thank you for the inspiration because if none of this what, would have happened without you yeah absolutely oh, awesome well uh this has been uh geez what are we on i think it's episode 36 of the the bike pack podcast and uh wow we'll we'll, we'll let you guys get uh, back to your evening but uh, we'll make sure to catch up again um in another month or two thanks for having us i appreciate it